You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes. Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Peacock Streaming, the biggest sports and live events on the planet. From Super Bowl 56 what a game this is. to complete coverage of the Winter Olympics, streaming every event every day. Yeah! It's all the unprecedented, United States wins gold. unstoppable, sensational, unbelievable sports to love. Sign up now at PeacockTV.com. Good afternoon and welcome to a new edition of the Arsenal Opinion Podcast. We're here to talk about transfers and I am here with Johnny. How are you doing, Johnny? Yeah, I'm all right, actually, Pete. Um, I have had to deal with some major wranglings. It's kind of fitting, actually, that it's the transfer window because I have currently, um, well, I'm still going through a situation involving my car where the clutch has basically blown out on it and I'm thinking, oh, shit. Will I even get home? And then I've got my car and I'm like, what am I even going to do with it? I can't be asked to go for the old rigmarole. And I actually used We Buy Any Car. So we're not sponsored by them, to be clear. (laughs) Other brands are available. If you do want to support us, we'll listen to you. But um, I, yeah, I had to take the car in and just, um, well, I didn't even mention the clutch, but got a bit of money for it and just done a runner straight out of it. So there's been a lot going on and I've not been as... Usually, it's distracting me from Arsenal, I think. And I've, I've is, actually used... is your car a metaphor for Arsenal's summer so far? It, it could very much be, to be fair. Um, maybe the fact that it was running quite smoothly. Uh, the MOT gave it a thumbs up and it's been an absolute shit show ever since. So that, that could be the metaphor for the summer in the sense that um, I think there is definitely some confidence, but some in my circles are claiming that it's a real, um, it's a misconfidence in the sense that we shouldn't be happy with the way things are. And they're actually getting a bit agitated and annoyed by the incomings. I think there's a a contrast in opinions on this one. Yeah, there's, there's, people are staking out their their, their point of view, aren't they? It's either this is a disgraceful summer or it's wait a little bit of time and see where the summer ends. I think that we definitely spent 12 years waiting until to see how the summer ended and uh, then being massively disappointed when it was completely shit under Arsene Wenger. But in fairness to Edu, uh, you can say many things about him, but you can't say that he doesn't get deals done, right? Usually, even if they're, even if they're disgusting, he's always got something. He will spend that money if it's on offer. Yeah, I mean, again, he is. he has got that air of, we buy any car, wheeler dealership. You know, that Edu is the metaphorical we buy any car. He'll just buy up. Um, he, he He's not afraid to make the purchase, but he'll try and just get as many over the line, I think. He's more of a, a um, kind of signings en masse. But 
I, I, in general, I think there are enough. It's so weird, isn't it, when you look at the fact that our transfer policy is twofold. It's not only the incomings, it's also the outgoings. And so even when you get excited by some of the potential names that might be coming to the club, and of course, I am, a lot of people are, some of the names do get me a bit excited. It's just, I can never fully give myself to the appreciation around our transfer strategy because of how weird um, our outgoings have been and, and the just complete lack of funds, meaning that it just makes me feel like, is anyone actually completely sure what's going on really? Or is this just guesswork? Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I think that there's definitely an element of guesswork to a transfer window, though. I think people have this idea that you pick a player and there's one player and you go out and buy them and that's how it works. But I, I think that the way that proper clubs work and maybe the way that Arsenal didn't work in the past is you have a profile of player that you're looking to target. You have an A option, a B option and a C option and they're all moving targets. And if you can't get your first option, then you look at the second one and then maybe the second one looks a bit dodgy. You look at the third and then you land on the second one. So I don't think it's a linear approach. And I think that that's kind of demonstrated by Arsenal fans saying, why are why are we signing a goalkeeper before we sign a central midfielder? It doesn't matter what the order is, as long as all the pieces are there at the end of the summer. But I can understand, uh, can understand the upset because in seasons past, remember I always remember a summer when Arsene Wenger just went out and bought Petr Cech. So uh, you can you can understand why there's that sort of uh, panic in the system. I'm going to change the view. So it's a little, oh, oh yeah. a little bit closer there. The wide, oh, yeah. I don't like the wide one. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, you can see that I've been cutting my own hair again, um, just down that side. So uh, let's let's just get into it. Let's start with a positive this week. Welcome, Sambi Lakonga. I loved his interview that he did. He feels like he's got a, a great personality. Um, I think it was one of the, whoever interviewed him was a, was a fan, and I, I love that approach. Um, I like what he had to say about the club. And then he looked like he did in the comps in his first game, albeit against Millwall, um, quick one-touch passing, um, a, a, a delightful range. Uh, he, he was tactically astute. I love the way that he moved around the pitch. And he really played that number six role well and looked like he made an instant impact. Johnny, did you catch any of the Millwall game? Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's just highlights again for me. But um, as I say, car issues and all that. And and Saltasia Festival, another story. But um, <laughs> but uh, basically, um, I caught highlights. And from what I could tell, and again, we have to say a little disclaimer every week, you know, pre-season friendlies, how much you emphasis you place on them is a personal subjective thing. Um, I think... I think they're not the be-all and end-all, but they also can give you positive signs of encouragement to um, yeah, make you feel better that we're making the right moves. In terms of Lukonga, I thought he looked classy, classy on the yeah. ball, which is exactly what we talked about, wasn't it? It wasn't anyone who was sitting here talking about we've signed an athlete, um, we've signed someone who might come in if Thomas Party's out and you know he's going to run around a little bit. You're starting to get shut, shut up, quite frankly, because... This guy is not just some guy who's just going to, you know, jog around the pitch and give you high intensity. He's got the finesse. He's got the technique. Um, and when you see a player playing like that, I don't think that... I think it reaffirms the the idea that we, this isn't a uh, Thomas Party de- deputy who can only come in when Party's out and he's going to give you those legs. He's someone who could slot in alongside him and have both technically sound players um, you know, both comfortable on the ball and with good athleticism as well to help him. All of the things we've been talking about in recent weeks help impose our style and our, um, you know, our will onto opponents because not only are they not easily flustered because of their technique, they've also got the engine. And that, I'm not saying definitely given the starting berth right now, but it's at the end of the day, I'm just saying if he continues his form, there'd be a good op- there'd be a good option there. So wonderful to see a player like that come in and for you know for certainly buffer up the positive vibes about Arsenal's um summer transfer so far yeah you know you know what I liked about him and sure you know maybe he's not going to be starting every game from the beginning of the season but I liked the he seemed to solve very clear problems that we have like the the one touch passing uh 
that were the one touch passing that was breaking the lines is uh, is the part that was exciting me. Jacka uh, is very particular about the way that he moves the ball, and he might have a lot of um, progressive passes, but he slows the system down. And I liked that Lakonga kind of had the basics of what Jacka had, uh, but a bit more a bit more ambition a little bit more speed. And I, I like the way that he actually complimented Thomas Partey because I think a lot of people that were looking at him from a statistical perspective were saying that he was a shadow player of Thomas Partey. But he, he looked to me like a slightly deeper lying version of him. And I, you know, I, I was excited by it. And hopefully the rest of our transfers continue along that path. And the, the one final thing that I liked, listening to him talk, I think he's I think he spoke after the game and he was asked what attracted him to the project and he said Arteta and Edu said that they were going to build the the squad around young guys and and that feels like a a push forward. I know that we're trying to sign more senior players at the moment but the idea that this summer is going to be building out the things that made everything work post Christmas is exciting. It feels like progress. It feels like a, a, a tweak of a strategy that saw us sign in some pretty awful players um, over the past two, three years. So I'm glad that we're moving on from that. And it, you know, it might slow down progress, but long term, I think it's the right idea. I mean, I, I don't disagree with the fact that you know, um, if if Edu and Arteta, or between them, are suggesting to new young talent that w- that is our aim, a youth. A, you know, a youth project 2.0 after the Wenger years, if you will. And um, I, I, I don't mind that in the, in the sense that I think it's a rational and quite logical way of trying to achieve our goals. Like aiming young with our uh, transfer strategy. So at the very least, they can grow with the club. We've got more chance of hanging on to them if they become, you know, a bonkers player uh, because they'll be getting us better as, as we go. And... You know, um, the team being greater than the sum of its parts kind of thing. If these guys have stayed together for a long period and grown together, there's a great opportunity for them to grow into something really, like to jump a couple of levels because they've got that synergy in the way that they play as well as the fact that they're actually good players. But, you know, if there was a negative on that, it's also it would also be of if we hark back to last uh, transfer window and remember what Arteta was saying to Willian, to get him to sign for the club, that we're going to be <laughs> win the Champions League in three years. Let's not talk about William today. <laughs> so for me, like stuff that they're saying to players is neither here nor there. They're going to get judged with what happens on the pitch. And, you know, no question about it. This next six months is absolute make or break for Arteta. Yeah, you, uh, yeah, it's going to be good for him though. And, you, you know, we're going to have this conversation and you are going to come over to... To, to the to the light uh, and join me on Team Arteta and it's going to be a beautiful thing. So let's talk about the hottest topic that's uh, thundering through the Arsenal Twitter sphere at the moment. Uh, I think one of the famous ITKs said that Madison was uh, a big priority for Arsenal this summer. Word is that Leicester wants 70 million for him. I'm sure that there is a treble your wages offer from Arsenal to his people. The player wants Arsenal. Leicester don't really want to let him go for obvious reasons. Uh, we haven't made a move for him. Or it, doesn't, it doesn't seem like we have. Nothing concrete at the moment. And today, it seems that after Real Madrid lost to Rangers, Martin Erdegaard is out of favour. And <laughs> Madrid being a billion dollars in debt, having to sell Varane for 35 million to United... They're going to need some cash. And we know that the big priority for Arsenal going into this summer was Martin Erdegaard. This has caused a war. Which side of the fence do you sit on? Martin Erdegaard or James Madison? Where where, um, where should we be? Where, where should we be spending our cash, our big pennies? Well, what a lovely little um, feature this is. Almost like a top trumps of potential transfer candidates. And uh, yeah, I think, you know, if we were to do it, of top trumps and obviously different people will have different kind of criteria for player profile. But um, for me, um, what I would be looking for in an attacking midfielder is someone who is technically sound. I think they both tick that box and they both have high ratings. Um, Good vision. I think again, they both tick that box. Good at set pieces is a bonus, but they both both have that. But I think if I was to separate them, in terms of what they could do, um, I would say 
I believe James Madison to be more of a difference maker. Certainly at Premier League level, we've seen it enough times. He he can be the difference in big games, score big goals. Um, he's he's a better finisher, I would say, than Erdegaard, based on off of what we'd seen. Yeah. Um, and scores a bigger variety of goals. Um, and the key thing for me, which could go under some people's radar, but you know, I, I think it's important, is about the pace. And Erdegaard, even though he's very good on the ball and he was very good in tight situations, he's he's quite a slow player, to be fair. And I found that quite a lot. But almost in the same way that you talk about Xhaka sometimes slowing moves down. Um, and it's not necessarily because he's not good technically, but I think it's partly down to his lack of athleticism. And I think that sometimes when we break fast, Erdegaard was slowing the pace down a little bit because he simply just wasn't quick enough, didn't carry the ball quick enough. And I think James Madison is much more at home in a more explosive, fast-paced um, offence or counter-offence. Um, and so for that reason, I certainly think that he deserves the nod out of those two. And I guess it would then come down to a economics issue of, um, you know, if one's going to be £50 million more than the other, I'm sure the other one's going to get the trigger pulled on him. But I think that Madison, if I was, if I was to choose which one I prefer, Madison would definitely get the nod. Yeah, it's an interesting one because I, I, what I like about this game is there's there's no loss here unless you get unless you don't get either of them right. They're both they're both top players. I I really like Martin Odegaard though. I, I really think that there are extra levels to his game. I think that he'd probably come in for uh, quite a bit less than the seventy million that uh, Leicester are supposedly asking. I think if you want now impact, then it's Madison. If you've got money to sign Madison then you should. I think the big concern with Madison is that he's 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 got, uh, you know, some weakness in his injury record. I think he had a bit of a hip problem. He didn't come back from his injury uh, with Leicester, the same player that he was pre-Christmas. So there's a bit of a concern there. Um, and the thing that I like about Martin Erdegaard is you know that he fits in to the squad. And I'm not saying that there's a chance that Madison won't, but you know the, the, the club rating from a, a leadership perspective. I think technically... They're both uh, extremely gifted. I, I like the idea that Martin Erdegaard has um, a really high ceiling. And I, I like that he can play out on the right. I think that he offered up t- 26 goals and assists um, playing out on the right for uh, for Sociedad. So I, 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 th- I think they're both interesting players. Um, I, I feel like Martin Erdegaard is probably going to be the more likely of the two. Um, because shelling out 70 million seems excessive. But at the same time, when you say that, it's like, well, we are about to spend 55 million on Ben White. Exactly. So money doesn't, money <laughs> isn't really an option. But I think if if Arteta is going to give himself, if, if Arteta is going to de-risk the start of next season, because people like you are just waiting to put that banner up of Arteta out, Madison's the one, right? Because he, he's going to hit the ground running. There's not a six-month sort of onboarding process. But if if you were taking a longer-term view, a uh, 22-year-old that's played for Madrid, I think I think he created um, 64 chances when he was at Sociedad. For reference, Leo Messi created 77 for Barca last season. A lot of people say that he can't dribble, but he was one of the most successful dribblers in La Liga. Um, he's in the top percentile for progressive passes. He's in the top percentile for progressive carries. I think they're both brilliant players, but it's just, if you've got 70 million, you know, you, you buy the Ferrari. If you've got 40 or 35 million and you can get a bargain, and then that gives you extra money to spend in some of the other positions that need bolstering. Then Martin, I don't think you're going to go wrong with Martin Odegaard. And I think that people forget, he didn't play a lot of football before he joined Arsenal. And coming to the Premier League is difficult. So uh, I'm excited that we're going to get either one of them, to be honest, because I think could have easily gone down a more miserable path. It could have been Coutinho on loan or something like that. Still could. But the, these two in our starting eleven next season, you know, we've got a chance of top four, in my opinion. Well, the, the thing is, you know, and, and you did mention it, so fair play. Uh, when we talk about whether we've got enough money to get James Madison over the line, we signed Ben White for fifty million pounds. So, for me, if you're willing to pay twenty million above market value for an English, uh, you know, young prodigy, 
this is where, as much as I am, I do think that Ben White looks like a good prospect, a good player. I think he is overpriced. And if we're going to pay over the odds, I'd rather pay it on Madison because it's a position of greater need. Like, can't disagree with that. I, yeah, I honestly can't disagree with that. Yeah. It, it, it's, it's, you know, why we are pumping that much money into an area where we've already got players. I'm not saying they're all as, I don't even need to say, you know, to risk positing whether they're actually better players than Ben White is, the current players that we have. But the simple fact is, is it was not a crisis point last year, our defence. The no. biggest issues we have are from on an attacking front. And the fact that Martin Odegaard has already played the back end of that season, and I would accept as a plus to Odegaard, even though we've seen better performances in the Premier League from James Madison than Odegaard, it's been a much shorter period for Odegaard. And there, there is the opportunity for a huge jump based yeah. off the fact he's now got that experience in the Premier League to settle in and show even more of what he could do. But as I say, you know, if you're putting your neck on a line, your job on the line um, for a, a, a situation where you could maybe afford both players, I'd be like, listen, if I'm going to get sacked, I'm, I'm going to spend all the money. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, go out with a bang. Exactly. It's all getting spent. I'm not leaving it for someone else. Yeah, I mean, like, like a, a little trust fund for the next manager. It's not going to happen. I'm spending it all. And that, for me, would mean James Madison. And that, for me, would be, you know, a big, big expensive transfer window sanctioned by our overlords who are trying to curry favour with the fans. And, and I would do that. But otherwise, there's not a good enough reason to sign Erdegaard over Madison, in my opinion. There's only, there's, there's only one worry that I have, actually, across both players. Do you remember, I think, yeah, was it like you know, mid uh, mid mid 2010s or whatever, when we were looking for a creative player and Cesc Fabregas was on the agenda and there were rumours that United and Chelsea were in for them. And I, I heard that Wenger didn't want Cesc to go to either of those clubs if there was an opportunity to bring him home. And Cesc sort of, you know, flattered his eyelids at us. Arsenal waited for him. And he was actually using Arsenal to get reassurances from Barcelona that he was loved. And Martin Odegaard, let's be fair, his first love is not Arsenal. It's Madrid. It's always been Madrid. And I worry that Martin doesn't feel loved. And Martin's considering Arsenal. Is him like rattling the commitment cage? Do you care about me? And then, you know, we wait all summer to, 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 to bring him to Arsenal when then, you know, Ancelotti has him in the first 11 for four games before bidding him off like, you know, similar thing happened to Cesc. And it's the same with the same concern I have with Madison. I think it's quite clear that there's something going on with Madison and Brendan Rodgers. They don't, it doesn't seem like they're best buddies. But Leicester are like Aston Villa. They see themselves as a top four side. And I worry that we might get led on all summer. And then what better way to screw over a rival than say, ah, oh, sorry. Not this season, guys. And then we don't, you know, we're, we're back to where we were last season. One creator and, you know, Smith Rowe, love him to bits, but I think there are legitimate concerns about how robust he is as a player. So I hope that, I hope that there is a, a good understanding between Edu and the powers that be at other clubs that we're not getting strung along. Yeah, definitely. I'm not, I mean, not being funny. One of the main ways to combat that is set some deadlines. <laughs> you know I mean, I know, I know, I know that can be flouted a little bit in business sometimes. It's the way it is, but it just seems like we float along with our player recruitment sometimes. Just like, oh, we'll get it done at some point, you know. And it can often be the last week or the last day, you know. And Arsenal yeah. scrambling to pick players up. And it's like, why don't you say this is how much? And, and no messing around offers, no faulty and ones. Just start coming out there with realistic figures and say, this is our, you know, our number. Are you going to accept that? If not, we'll give you till this week and then we're going after someone else. And just ruthlessly pursue that position rather than just be wedded to players because that's a good way of avoiding, you know, that heartache. And it's the same thing. That's why I think both of us, we're very much on the same page with our... Um, adoration at this stage for Lokonga and the way that he's hit the ground running and, and, and the fact that we 
both thought that it was a good um, example of recruiting via a profile and just being wedded to a player. And he looks like someone who fits the bill. And he and he's performed he, well. He, he put in a good one performance so far. But um, you know, either way, it looks like that could be shrewd money. So I think that um, it, 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 to be honest, I, I just want us to start getting our business done early enough for players to be able to just have some preseason games and they can work on that, you know, that feeling and that bond and that kind of chemistry that will see us, you know, really obviously get better during the year, but hopefully kind of hit the ground running so we can set about our very difficult fixture list with a a bit of a relish. Yeah, I I agree with that. And as much as we enjoy a deadline day deal, it wasn't very helpful last year, was it? Signing party last minute, he didn't get a preseason. Then he picked up all sorts of injuries, and then we didn't see him until January. Or we did, we saw him in like three games. Getting get, getting the business done early felt like a, a bit of a mandatory this year, but it hasn't really happened. Uh, a backup left back and a, a very young centre midfielder. It should we should be doing better. We should be doing better. But the only benefit that we've got is that there's no Europe this season, so Mate. we can have a. A week with the players each, you know. Jim Jim White is the only one who likes deadline day save signings. He's the only one who likes <laughs> him. So he can get his content rolling and start shouting. The rest of us, we, we've got to be hoping to get our business done earlier. So sorry, Pete, I just wanted to make that clarification. No. Uh, uh, just, <laughs> uh, good. I, I thought Jim White was not not with us anymore, but that's not true, is it? That's... uh. Don't know where it's I've got. Still knocking about. I mean, he's still knocking about. Yeah, I'd, I'd, I'd hate to have brought him up. If, yeah, if you like, knew about a recent death that Jim, I didn't. Jim is alive, right? Jim is alive. I'm pretty sure Jim is alive. Jim, All right. let us know. Let us know. Uh, do get in touch. Just let us know. Proof of life. Next topic of conversation: B listers. So oh, yeah. I'm, I'm I'm taking this somewhere. I'm taking this somewhere. Blisters? But yeah, it does look like blisters, doesn't it? I should probably hyphenate that. So there's um, we've been linked with Tammy Abrams. Uh, we've been linked with Aaron Ramsdale. We've been linked with Ben White. We'll probably sign him this week. And I keep on seeing this tweet that goes around. It says, Ars- uh, England's sixth best centre-back, sixth best striker, 15th best goalkeeper based on positions in the England squad. And I, I wanted to talk about the idea of potential. because, And uh, actually the idea of the England squad. I think Tammy Abraham would be a fantastic signing for Arsenal if we moved on Lacazette. Aaron Ramsdale, as a backup goalkeeper, having played 80 games in the Premier League at 23 years old, would be a decent backup goalkeeper. And being uh, a sixth-place centre-back for England at 23 is not a bad thing. Players get better. And if if Arsenal can't afford the second-best striker in England. We can't afford the, the second best defender. So if you've got a coach that develops players, signing players like Tammy Abraham, who's about the same age that Adebayor was when he joined Arsenal, having scored a lot less goals, makes a, like, it, 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 it feels progressive. It's not like signing a 32-year-old from Chelsea. So I wanted to talk about the idea of, of, of B-listers it, in the context of Arsenal's reality at the moment, because people are getting pretty angry that we're not signing Harry Kane-like players. And I I wanted to get your take on whether you even think signing so-called B-listers is a good idea or a bad idea. Um, So let's um, we're talking about them as one homogenous group, like they're all the same level, you know. It's just like signing Tammy It's got simple, it's simple. It's got to be simple (laughs) bites for everybody. (laughs) Don't have any context quick, or nuance. Quick info, guys. Exactly. Accept it, accept it, accept it. Until next week and then download that one. But anyway, um, yeah, it, it, we're trying to talk about them as one huge group, but obviously there are different levels of... There are some people who have snuck into this group of B-listers, actually. Um, they are the... They're basically Z-listers. They're in, pretending to be B-listers. Z-listers. That, Outrageous. Yeah. And I'm going to talk about Aaron Ramsdale. Oh! Because, I mean, how dare you bundle him in with Ben White, Sir Ben White, a <laughs> great, little, great little player. He's going to come in for 50 mil and do the job and bundle him in with Tammy Abraham, who is as honest as the day is long. 
you know, Aaron Ramsdale, honestly, it, it makes my blood boil. What are you talking about? Why are they why are they doing that? It's better, embarrassing. Better save percentage than Donnarumma. Do, do you know I saw I'm I saw it? I saw I don't care. <laughs> Aaron Ramsdale, his record, this is what I was just looking for on my phone. It's something like um about 130 goals in two seasons. Well, it's not that. It's um relegated in his first year in league in league two, then relegated in um, league One. Let me just see if I can. No, he's been I... relegated twice from the Premier League, right? From the Premier League. That's what I mean. He's been relegated in other leagues. Oh, right. <laughs> yeah, mate. He is, he is a bad, bad decision waiting to happen. Um, and the what, what, let me let me see. Is it? Uh... No, I'm not going to be able to do it because I can't do it on air. But he got way... he got Player of the Season in two relegated Premier League sides. That, that, that's fans that have watched their team being utter dross for an entire season. And they said Aaron Ramsdale was player of the season at Sheffield United and at Bournemouth. Th- these are people that watch their team every single week. And the goalkeeper who concedes, on average, what, about 62 goals across both seasons. Player of the season. Come on, that, that, must, that must stand for something. Absolutely not. Um, not having it. Not having no, it. no, absolutely not. Basically, are you suggesting for a second that in a relegated team, the goalkeeper might look like the best because he's got loads of work to do and he can make a couple of nice saves and still let in five and they go, oh, Aaron tried his best though. It was like when you're playing football, at, you know, under 11s or something. And if the keeper makes a couple of fancy saves, it's like, yeah, he's a top keeper. When in reality, he's made, let some awful goals go in. It, it's just judged differently. We, um, we, we, we had it. Listen, I think that you were adversely affected in your childhood by Richard Wright. You thought he was <laughs> going to be the business. You'd seen him on Champ Manager and he I came did. in and he, and he was terrible. Yeah, and listen, we're gonna, we're gonna, we can get through this. We can get through this session. Aaron Ramsdale um, could, could be a high potential backup goalkeeper. Um, I think Sheffield United paid 20 million for him. So, and I think while Chris Wilder is a good manager, and Chris uh, and he backed him the whole way. Begovic has come out and he trained with him and said his high potential to have that much experience at his age is is incredible, and he'll only get better. And if we get him for eighteen million, would you be that fussed? Do you think it would be a mistake at eighteen million? I mean, considering where we've been with backup goalkeepers, Runison, we can't even get rid of Runison to Turkey. Is that bad? <laughs> um, so, uh, first of all, I found that stat anyway. So, Aaron Ramsdale's last four seasons, 17-18, relegated League 2. 18-19, one place above relegation League 1. 19-20, relegated Premier League. 20-21, relegated Premier League. I can't abide by spending good money on this geezer. And I, you're talking about 18 million like you know you're going to be able to get a discount. We're all here in 30. And we're all a bit worried. Do you know what I mean? We've already paid 50 million for Ben White. It seems like 20 above, you know, average market price is what Arsenal are up for paying for English talent. It would be a very, very distressing transfer if we sign Aaron Ramsdale for 30 or even 20. I I, I can't. Yeah. Listen, if it gets crazy money, no way. But uh, the, the idea that you cannot find value in players that have been relegated... Listen, Ginny, Wild- Ginny Wijnaldum went from Newcastle to Liverpool, won the Champions League, won the league, and now he's at PSG. Yeah. And in fortunes. So I think that, you know, I don't necessarily think he's rubbish, but, you know, it would come with a risk. It would come with a risk. No, I, he's, I don't, he's no, he's no Emi Martinez. He's definitely not. And, and I don't, I'm, I'm, this is not for a second saying we shouldn't sign anyone who's been relegated, but been relegated in three of your last five seasons that's that's more than just the average alarm bell um and also I think that you know one of the reasons why it's alarming when we talk about 30 million is if you sign a keeper for 30 million that's not your backup that's what alarms me that also that would also mean that if you're putting 30 down and we've already discussed previously that our goalkeeper has at least flirted with the idea of leaving um, and has made, you know, though, has sung those kind of tunes uh, towards the end of last season. So I think it would it would be incredibly 
worrying if Ramsdale was anywhere near our first team and would really be a kind of sign of the times as we strongly progress towards mid-tabledom if if, he, if that was to happen. But let's let's hope, one, I don't even want him as a backup personally, but if we do get him, he has to be, that one has to be cheap to give me confidence he's not going to play. <laughs> I also don't understand. If a, if a Nana from Ajax has basically got one, one year left on his deal, I don't know why we wouldn't deal with uh, with a player like that who has all of the on the ground playing abilities, unless it is because it is it, it truly will be a a backup keeper option. But yeah, if it's thirty million, it kind of beggars belief that we've got money to spend and we're go- and we're going that wild for a for a goalkeeper that has been relegated fifty eight times in his career. Okay, well, we'll move on from the goalkeeping thing because it's... Uh, but, but let's... Uh, no, we're staying on it because this was not a topic about goalkeepers and you've made it about goalkeepers. <laughs> B-listers. B um, Tamri Abraham. What do we think about Tammy? Because I like him. I think, I, think he's a, I think he's got a lot of talent. He's got a great athletic profile. Scored a lot of goals. Played in the championship. Uh, was, he was the top goal scorer. He was the top goal scorer last season for a, a team that finished in the top four. Uh, he scored goals in the Champions League. I think his record is like four goals in 12. He's got three assists. Uh, if Chelsea want to get rid of a player like that, shouldn't we be shouldn't we be taking him in our situation with our vision for the future of having young players? What do you think? I think, um, and sorry, we did go on a tangent there, but I think it was a very meaningful and necessary tangential conversation because, you know, we can't let the Ramsdale shenanigans go un- unnoticed. But anyway, so back to Tammy, and I think it's a great, um, subject of discussion, actually, because he does split opinion. He does split opinion with um, people who I don't think are necessarily, you know, just harboring on that, oh, he's a Chelsea player, so they're trying to, you know, just bang in the resentment regardless. I, I think it's down to, as a player, he flatters to deceive sometimes. He's got all the attributes that would, should make him like a top, top player, but there's other times you watch him and you think, no, he's not quite at the level of a top striker there. I don't think he could be your main, main striker. But he would argue that for where we need to get to in the in the immediate, i.e. a top four club, he's been able to do that because he's just done it um, to be able to deliver at that level. So for me, if we do get rid of Lacazette, I think it, I personally think it would be quite a good potential signing. And let's not pretend that, there's not loads of business to get, that gets done between Arsenal and Chelsea. Um, we're not, you know, we're not trading partners like historically that much. But recently, we've started to do a bit more business after the Mourinho Wenger, Wenger like frostiness forward a bit, and a lot of those deals have worked out for both people. Um, I know we don't like it as a fan base that we're buying Chelsea rejects all the time, but a lot of the ones that have come in have kind of somewhat delivered. I think the signings that they've had, even when you look at Giroud, has worked out very nicely for them, you know. And I think that the the club's kind of competitiveness in nature shouldn't prohibit a move like this kind of going through. They're not all going to end up like Willian. Petr Cech was overall a good signing for us. He, You know, he he delivered uh, largely for most of his tenure. So that wasn't a, a, a bad situation. And I do think that Tammy would come in as a younger player with everything to prove, seemingly. He's still proved... He's proved that he's a Premier League player, but whether or not you could build a top team around him, that remains unproven. And obviously, Chelsea, if they do release him, would have said no. So I think coming to Arsenal right now, we could both benefit from the opportunity to kind of help each other out. Him by getting to play at still a big club that need to get back to where they you know deserve to be and uh us from having a, a striker who has shown great promise and also you know is um hungry and and ready to prove himself so i like i like the move and what we would be replacing is Lacazette who's at the opposite end of his career you could say yeah and being a Chelsea, becoming a Chelsea reject because they signed Haaland, it's like, well, he's arguably the best young striker on the planet outside of Mbappe. So 
I don't I don't think it's um we're not picking up dregs there. No. And listen, when we when we signed Adebayor way back when from Monaco, I don't even think Adebayor believed us. I think he literally said Arsene Wenger called him when he was playing football with his mates and he thought he was being pranked. <laughs> and he was atrocious. Yeah. Couldn't control anything, falling all over the place, absolute garbage. Remember the Thierry Henry glare that he would give him from the other side of the pitch? And he had, he had a rough season, then Thierry left and he blew up. And I think if Adebayor didn't get in his own way, he could have hit Drogba levels. He certainly hit Drogba levels in that one season where he was just phenomenal scoring goals from all over the pitch. So why why can't why can't Tammy be that player for Arsenal? Give him a chance. I like the the rejection bit as well. Like there's nothing there's nothing quite like having the burn of rejection to drive you forward. And if he's that sort of player and he's got um, the right type of character, he'll respond really well to that. And he gives us something up front that we don't have height relentless ability combined with pace and he's got an eye for goal he always scores goals so he might not score them at the level that he should but it's only 23 years old you know there aren't many elite finishers at 23 years old you know that sort of comes a little bit later when you're more settled mentally and a little bit more experienced so I'd be excited by that and I don't think that he's a b-lister I think that he could he's got every opportunity to be an a-lister and he fits our profile we can't sign that A-listers. Jack Grealish is not going to come to Arsenal. I'm really sorry to break it to everybody, but, you know, he's <laughs> going to go and play in the Champions League. Uh, talking of A-listers, let's talk about A-listers of the youth. Mika Birith is going to sign for Arsenal. Uh, Moller, our Swedish uh, giant of a striker, has gone out, to, gone out on loan to a third-tier German club this season. Uh, per Mertesacker and Edu have moved quickly on Mika. He plays for he played for the Fulham under 18s this season. He scored 21 goals, had 13 assists. Um, he looks quite well built um, as well for someone so young. Obviously, a very exciting talent. I think he got to the Youth Cup final where they lost to Manchester City. Um, what do, what do you think a, a signing like this says about how we're perceived? By uh, by young players still, despite the lack of success. Yeah, well, you know, I I can't pretend to be a Mika Birif expert. Um, I didn't know of him before this whole story broke. So, um, you know, I, I think we do speak in broader terms, as you kind of um, suggested. I think that overall, it's very important for a club of Arsenal stature and current position to remain an attractive place for young, promising players to want to come and play and prove themselves. Because as you've stated, and I think is certainly apparent to anyone who's paying attention um, in the Arsenal fan community, we are not in the same positions that we were in previous years. We are not a Arsenal call and you, you know, it's a green phone and you say, yes, I want to come and play. Now people are putting us on hold. People, people are coming back to us in five days, you know. And we, yeah. need, we need as much opportunity to grow the next superstar um, as much as potentially bringing them in as a, you know, an overinflated transfer because it just makes economical sense that we would be trying to break a youngster as much as anything else rather than trying to purchase them for these big prices. Um, and so it's great that a player who, who's proven it at a younger level would still see Arsenal as a great, I would hope, not stepping stone because he's coming from Fulham. I hope he'd be like, wow, I've made it to a massive club. But hopefully he can come in and prove to be, you know, quite the player. And and we could start getting that pressure from our academy in a in an area that we clearly need reinforcements in. Even if we'd say brought in Tammy Abraham, Aubameyang's, what, 31, 32? He's not going to be around for much longer if, you know, the recent performances come to show anything. He's maybe really reaching the end of his level of, uh, uh, um, of playing at the elite level still as a striker. So if we could have a promising youngster still coming to the club and proving themselves, it can only be a good thing. Yeah, I like, uh, I mean, if he feels like a top, top 18-year-old to come to Arsenal. Now, think back to the years when we spent money on Theo Walcott at, what, 17 years old. So um, 18 is at the point where you can start making moves into 
maybe not first teams, but certainly the sort of early FA Cup games squads. So I think it's great news. And I'm, I, I hope that some of it is the, you know, the, the big poster that Saka, Martinelli and Smith Rowe are on that says, if you're good enough, you'll get chances at Arsenal. And if you get chances in this setup, you'll be developed and we're going to turn you into 50, 60, 70 million pound players. And this should be part of Arsenal's strategy. You know, Arsenal bumming around this summer trying to sell Jacka for 12 million euros is so bad. We, we, uh, what's that? Uh, what's the, the, the most expensive player we've sold? Was it Cham- Chambers? Chamber- Chamberlain? 38 yeah, million? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It, it is absolutely atrocious that we've never sold a player for over 50 million pounds. But I think if you sign a under 18 striker and he turns that under 18s form into the Premier League, then you've got a 60, 70 million pound player. I think Saka is already at that level if you wanted to prize him away from Arsenal. Smith Rowe, by the end of the season, could be a £50 million player. Martinelli now would be a £50 million player. Jurgen Klopp saying he's one of the most talented youngsters he's seen. We need to build um, those players into the system. And we don't have the pull that we once had because you know we're not Manchester City or around Madrid anymore. But we could certainly create the pool by coaching young players to a better career and giving them opportunities earlier than they'd get at bigger clubs. So I hope that this is the start of something. And it seems like uh, Per Mertesacker is really imprinting his vision on the academy now. Uh, you know, I'd imagine it's quite uh, uh, quite tough to begin with because he you know, didn't have any training going into it. But it seems like uh, they're, they're really making moves on, on how they want to develop kids moving forward. So I, th- I think it's quite exciting. The, the, the vision of the club, it feels like it's a, a, an exciting one if they can deliver on it. Yeah, I mean, when we talk about the kind of youth strategy, you know, it's not we can't talk about it just like we're not a Man City or a Liverpool, so we can't go out and do this. The thing is, is those clubs have wicked youth strategies as well. <laughs> you know what I mean? That Look at Liverpool. They're constantly bringing through next players, these random dudes you see on fantasy, you know, fantasy league that you go, right, like, bringing Curtis Jones for a couple of games. He's getting a couple of games here and there. Yeah. Man United have loads of players who keep popping up from the academy. Because the fact is, is with your academy players, it's not just about, as Tottenham have done, unearthing a Harry Kane, who's a, who's a world-class football player, um, there is also uh, the ability to, um, if, if not produce a world-class player, just a, a squad player, a player who just makes up the numbers. Like Marcus Rashford for United, he's not their best player, but he's a good player, you know, and he plays for them, and he saves you having to spend £40 million or whatever it costs to bring him in. I mean, if, if we didn't have Saka and Smith-Rowe right now, I don't know where we'd be in terms of uh, positive prospects looking forward. I think, obviously, most fans would look at our future, uh, any potential future in a positive... uh, Any potential positive future would be heavily involving those two. You would almost certainly guarantee. And so we do need to take it seriously because I think for a while there was just a dearth of, you know, um, talent coming through that academy or people that would just come in, play one game in the, you know, the, the League Cup and then be gone, banished to the never realm. You never see them again. And it's nice to have seemingly a consistent train of talent coming through. Aziz is another one I want to see a lot more of. And Balogun, obviously. So I definitely think it's essential because, not because we haven't got money like the top clubs, so we have to, but because the top clubs do it. Even when we get to the top, we should be focusing on youth because it's the easiest way to sustain like top performance. And fans love it. And fans love it as well. You know, yeah, when yeah. there were rumours that we were going to get let go of Smith Rowe this summer and people said, well, what if we got rid of Smith Rowe and we signed Madison? No, unacceptable. I don't think football culture uh, in Europe allows for that sort of mentality. We don't want it. And the, I think you've made a really good point there. It doesn't have to be a sacker going for 70 million. Joe Willock going for 25 million would be uh, a, a massive, you know, a massive W for the academy. That's just pure. It's not pure profit because obviously you've had to pay him along the way. But, you know, just creating a bunch of Rian Brewsters 
that go for 18 million when they're not quite good enough that go on to have great professional careers. You know, Arsene Wenger said, you know, I've created a lot of professional careers through the youth scouting. You know, like who was the Swedish kid that was uh, Birmingham who had a really good career? I think he was still playing in the, the oh, national um, team. Larson. Larson, yeah, yeah the yeah. free free kick specialist. Yeah, but, yeah, yeah. Like, um, you know, it, it's uh, it's a good revenue generator, and I, I'm hoping that now we seem to have got a hold of the contract issues, and we're not you we're not losing players like Marlon and Gnabry. That you know we can actually start generating some revenue because the more ge- the, the more revenue we generate, the better the young players that we can bring into the club. So. Um, it, it it feels like um, it, the processes that the club have been putting in place are starting to to catch up with the players now. Young players are, are joining. We're tying down our best players to long term contracts, and we're buying a better profile of player from around Europe that could become superstars like Lukonga. Yeah, and I mean. That's fine that we say, you know, we're starting to look for young players. And that is a positive. I'm pleased about it. But again, we've got some immediate concerns, like because one of the one of the quickest ways for even young players to start not wanting to come is if we don't get back to winning ways. These players do need to get involved, but we need to, you know, Time is not a luxury we have anymore. I just really don't think that. We've got to start getting it right and we've got to get back. And I, this isn't an easier said than done situation. I know people will think that. I'm just saying that we know our goal, but I think that after a while, being away from your goal for so long starts to change intrinsically the way the club is. It's the it's the responsibility the players feel. It's the um, the kind of the weight of the club, the the impact of the club diminishing over time. You, If you're a club that gets the top four every, you know, eight seasons, you have your dips and downs and then you go back up. That's a that's one level of club. Like most clubs have dips and uh, peaks and troughs. But if you're just consistently going down and down and down without bucking that trend, players obviously look at a situation and go, well, it's a bit of a free fall situation, particularly if... The manager, if it doesn't work out, I expect the manager will go. It will be a chop and change manager situation. So we do need to get it right. And I hope that these players play a big part in getting us to where we want to. Um, But a lot of them are going to have to come in and, you know, hit the ground running, just like some of the youngsters that we've given opportunities to before through our academy in um, Smith, Rowe and Saka have and Martinelli. And we're putting a lot of responsibility on their shoulders as well. Yeah. All right, let's uh, we'll we'll get this wrapped, and we'll just highlight a few of the comments. Thank you to everybody that has joined in and watched this live. Um, this will be going out as a podcast later. If you just want to share it with a friend, uh, what have we got today? Uh, oh, I like this one uh, from Rusty Dog. Which one of Madison or Erdegaard is a bigger risk for ESR's development? I I, I can say this one. I don't think anyone is a risk to Smith Rose development he's the number 10 he's the star boy in that role the club are going to build um around him and i actually think madison uh and erdegaard both complement him but i i I quite like the connection that erdegaard and smith rowe had i think that smith rowe like naturally drifts out wide and comes in and i think having players that are interchangeable uh that have high technical levels works really well I don't know how it would work with Madison, but I don't think any of them are going to be a threat. You're not going to see Smith Rowe on the bench this season. He's going to be a starter. Yeah, I, I agree with that. Um, I think, you know, look, when we talk about the squad numbers, okay, some people would say it's a bit tokenistic. Like It doesn't mean that much. William Gallas played number t- was a, number t- a famous number 10 of Arsenal for a while. Yeah. I don't know what that decision was. It was just weird. Anyway, um, so, of course... There, there has been that that's tarnished it in the past. But ultimately, if you're number 10, you know as a player you mean business. That's from like nine-year-olds playing over the field. If, if you've got a 10 on your back, you're, you're, legit, you're like considered a legit player. Everyone knows that. Um, so excited to see what he can do. And I wouldn't say that um, either of them are particularly a risk to uh, Smith-Rowe's development on that front. Um, 
you could say that we know Odegaard won't be because they've already played together and they found a way to somewhat make it work. And I don't think that Smithrow, based on uh, the summer just gone, will look at it and not feel trusted by the club. So I think he's going to, you know, start putting his big boy pants on this year and start saying, listen, I'm, I'm, I'm the go-to man and, and I can't wait to see it. But I do actually think that Madison, as I say, neither of them are a risk, but I think Madison has the chance to speed up Smith Rowe's um, uh, rise to the top because I think Madison is currently a bit better than what Smith Rowe um, has been. Yeah, um, no doubt. I do think that I do think that Smith Rowe would have a higher ceiling because he's pacier and travels with the ball better than Madison. So it would be great if he could. But but Madison can play at speed, can play that one touch, and has the ability to do it at you know at the top level. So I think that Smith Rowe would quickly find James Madison as the rabbit to chase and try to ascend to that level, which could only benefit us. Whereas I think that Erdegaard would probably see a slower progression in terms of the rub on Smith Rowe. Yeah. A common misconception amongst us mere mortals is that uh, great players get intimidated by other great players. It's the opposite. All great players want to do is play with other great players. It's as simple as that. So I I think that you're right. I think Smith Rowe will be inspired by that. Uh, Anuj, Arsenal 97. Do you think Madison telling LCFC that he wants to leave for Arsenal are true? I don't think Madison has um, said that he wants to leave, but I think he's indicated to Arsenal that he's very interested in coming. Um, then what else have we got? Uh, just a lot of people saying hello, which is nice. No one talking about our hair this week. Uh, oh, all right. There you go. That's good. I mean, uh, we've been inundated by tweets, haven't we, with people just reeling off um, who they thought we would look like. So I've been... I've been um, told that I look like one of the actors. Well, sorry, not look like. They thought I would look like, based on my voice, one of the actors out of Bottom, uh, a used car salesman, apparently. That's how I sound. <laughs> the, in- the internet takes no prisoners. Yeah, I, I quite enjoyed sad. it. I quite enjoyed it. So I sound like a middle-aged used car salesman. salesman. That's great. Um, yeah, I move forward with life. I uh, <laughs> The bullets are bouncing off me. <laughs> um, there, there was one I saw up here as well um, in terms of comments. Um, I got po- Polar Bearer Man. What about the B listers at Arsenal? Nelson Willock, Maitland Niles. I think we're going to sell them, right? They're, they're, I think they want to sell them. There's no, well, I don't think there's a future. I think there's a, um, again, we've put them into a homogenous group, but I think Willock, for instance, gets you a lot more money on the open market than a Reese Nelson would. And that's because we put him out on loan and he proved it, that he could handle Premier League football. And I, I like that. Um, but there are other ones that... Basically, most of these guys should be hitting the exit door. There's no question about it. But sometimes these things go backwards. If a player gets injured, for instance, like last minute we get a right back that's down and someone goes, give Maitland Niles a go. And you can find that some of these players ends up end up getting another chance and can go on to still play a part, even though they look like their careers at Arsenal were over. So, um, you know, maybe out of that group, we might have one that has anything to do with the future of Arsenal, but more than likely they'll all be gone and hopefully for decent transfer fees for once. Yes. OK, that wraps today. Johnny, do you want to tell people where they can find you on the internet? Uh, yes, I am at iJohnnyCochran on all of my socials, including Twitch. Do, do follow. It always makes me feel better. Um, someone just put in the comments as well, Jim left Sky. Jim White, yeah. I know, I'm, he's, he's on Talk Sport, mate. He's not dead, I'm pretty sure. What, do you know what? For all of our listeners, I will go through the effort of Googling Jim White's dead uh, just to make sure. Oh, no, it's come up with deadline day gif. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, um, he's de- no Jim White is definitely still alive. That's, there you go. That's the best news I've had all day. I've been I've been mourning him. I've been We've mourning him for America. It. I've been like, oh, shame about Jim. There would be some listeners going, but I must know. I must know about Jim. So we've wrapped it up in a nice little bow for our narrative arc for this uh, week's uh, pod. So I'm pleased about that. Magic. Okay, if you're listening on iTunes. Get into that little app bit and give it a five-star rating. Say something nice in the reviews. 
Uh, don't give it a two star or a three star. People that do that are worthless. Um, and on that note, I'll say goodbye. We'll be back next Tuesday, same time. We'll be on Twitch and all of the other live channels so that you can come and join and engage with us in real time. Thanks for listening. Thanks for watching. Ciao for now. This is Peacock. I love it! It's streaming your favorite shows, movies, live sports, breaking news, exclusive originals. It's The Office. That's what she said. Chrisley knows best. It's going to be Todd's Way or the Highway. And Peacock original shows like Punky Brewster. Holy mackinoli. So whether you're in the mood for every live WWE pay-per-view or every episode of Law & Order SVU, Peacock's got you covered. Peacock. Watch for free. Upgrade for more. Stream now at PeacockTV.com. Sports Social Podcast Network.